Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast, Barn. It's a new year, so for all the new listeners, we're going to explain a little bit what's going on, what's been going on, and uh, what everyone has uh, to look forward to. In exa- exactly, 2016. What, hopefully, hopefully, it's going to be a big year. Yeah, there's. Um, it's been a little bit of a, a break for us. Uh, we're normally out every two weeks. This will be three weeks since our last podcast, and the reason for that is that. Everyone was having a really good time over Christmas and New Year. So we, th- uh, we thought we'd leave people alone. Yeah, we'd leave you alone, wouldn't pass to you. And now we are putting out the very first podcast of 2016. But it's incidentally actually the second part of the last podcast from 2015. So if you didn't listen to the first one and you're a new listener or you can't actually remember what was talked about, <laughs> go back and listen to the first part of this because it, it was a really good, uh, really good podcast with Jens. And the second part is probably even better than the first in terms of informative information. Yeah, definitely. So definitely go back and check it out if you haven't listened to it already. But what we failed to mention is we haven't just been doing nothing over New Year. We, in fact, did our first ever live podcast show, which was streamed on YouTube. And it was pretty successful, I would say. Yeah, no, we did. So we... Haven't released a podcast over that period on iTunes and Stitcher, but there is one available right now on YouTube, which was the live podcast that Daryl was talking about. And it was a live show, phone in, and literally you could call in and discuss topics that we we had. And what was incredible was that a huge majority of the people that called in had never listened to the podcast. So so there's obviously a huge number of people because there's now we're now in the thousands of people downloading the podcast on iTunes. So there's obviously a huge number of people that listen to the podcast and download it that haven't seen the live show yet. And we will be doing another one, Byron. Yeah, we, we definitely will be. Um, we're not quite sure when yet. We're going to give people a little bit of a break, uh, but certainly in a month or two. And what we'll do is we'll make sure that everybody who's listening to the downloaded podcast know when we're doing it um, and what the topics are going to be so that yeah, you can was, have a chance it, to think about it and then you know when, when it's going to be up live on on YouTube and then hopefully you can all tune in as well. And, and join in. Yeah. But the, the live show will be put out on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud in the coming weeks just so that everyone has a chance, because not everyone has time to sit on YouTube and watch and, a three-hour-long show. Watch us sitting in a studio. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so if you didn't <laughs> if you didn't see the live podcast, don't worry. Uh, you will be able to catch it as a downloadable podcast, just like every other podcast that you listen to. But yeah. in other news of being able to watch us, we have now decided that we'll be recording our shows from YouTube, just a little bit of feedback from, from people, um, instead of just seeing a a screen that doesn't move uh we've decided that we're going to start recording not this one though not this one <laughs> no because we actually recorded this quite a while ago <laughs> yeah um so from the coming weeks you'll start to see the live show on youtube and you can see so us if you really in, feel like watching, watching us, us in the studio yeah, and so, sometimes i mean sometimes the guests come in and quite often they're over the phone because they're all over the place and yeah but if it, if we've got a guest then at least you've got somebody else to look at not not just our pretty faces. But um, on other news, uh, we have a new Facebook page. So we've previously been keeping people up to date on our Pace Brothers Into the Wilderness Facebook page. But as our show is coming out very soon, we've just released a trailer. We'll talk about that in a second. We've decided to 
push everything across to another page, uh, a specific podcast page. So if you search on Facebook for podcast into the wilderness, all the information will be on that page. The only reason why we've done that is that the podcast page or the podcast stuff is quite intensive on Facebook. So we don't want to fill your news feed up if you aren't interested in the podcast, but you're interested in our show, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so the one of the cool things that we're doing with that is that when we do the live shows and anything that's relevant to the podcasts that are recorded, we're actually chucking that up on the podcast page. So if you're interested in, say, a video that we talked about, like we did with, with David a few weeks, uh, well, actually, it's probably months back now. A few months back now. Yeah, we, Which, incidentally, David has now won awards yes, on, that, on that film. So if if you haven't listened to that podcast with David, which is, in fact, is our most downloaded podcast, been, has been the most popular, so thank you very much for, for that, um, the, the films that we were talking about on that podcast... Uh, has won awards now yeah so. it has so definitely go and check that out but the point is that if you there's something that we're talking about and you want to know more about it we will be sticking all of that stuff on the facebook podcast page so you definitely need to follow that if you want easy access to all the links and where when we are in the middle of doing our live podcasts we'll be constantly updating that with all manner of things that people are talking about yeah Basically, that's what. But now, two two important things because uh, we did release something else over the festive period. Oh, of course we did. Yes, <laughs> and that was the the trailer for our Into the Wilderness series, which is going to be launching mid February. Yes, um, around about mid February. Yeah. And at the moment, we have released a forty five fifty second teaser trailer. Yes. Uh, we will be releasing a slightly longer trailer in a couple of weeks' time, but for now, um, if you want to see what all this into the wilderness business is about go and check out the trailer on youtube, YouTube it's already been we only released it two nights ago and it's been viewed by over a thousand people so it's uh it's getting out there yeah so or you go on youtube type in pace brothers into the wilderness it'll probably come up and uh it's also on vimeo as well so if anyone wants to check it out on vimeo it's super it's high quality super high quality turn and up the volume at the start yep it is and you can see barn in a bit of pain now, for, for the new listeners, we thought we would just tell you a little bit about the show since it's a new year and about what we, we, we do on this podcast. So I'll let Byron lead away a little, a little bit. You've caught me off guard here, <laughs> Michael. This is it's, it's a countryside or country issues podcast. Um, it's not a pure hunting podcast. It absolutely isn't. But, you know, we do talk about that. Uh, we've got some really interesting guests lined up uh, for this year. Scottish Wildcats, I think uh, we're hopefully going to get somebody from that association on. Yep, we are. Uh, we're going to talk about Lynx uh, reintroduction. Uh, that's also coming up very soon. Um, and we've got a, a couple of other special guests which are in the back of our mind, which we're hoping to... Uh, hoping to organize we, for we, you, we, including we, some, some we, sort of we, big names. We do. We, uh, we have a very big female hunter coming on in Europe. Yep. Which we're we'll, not going to tell you just yeah, yet. So. Which uh, we will tell you about in the coming weeks. So that should be fun. But I mean, the, sh the show is its for everyone to join in on. So if you get on the Facebook page or even email us, um, you, you, you know, tell us what you want to know. Tell us if there's who any you topics want to you want us in. to interview. Or if you've got something interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we can we can easily f fit, uh, fit that in as well. Yeah, the, the show is for you. It's available for free. 
and it's for everyone out there. And we are very unbiased. We're, we're backed by amazing, amazing organization, but they have no say in what we talk about whatsoever and the topics that are discussed. So we're, we're free. We're, yeah, we're, we're free to do what we want and say what we want and uh, hopefully ask questions that uh, people want to hear the answers to. Um, to, to interesting people and yeah I think it should be a good year we've had a good few months and uh, hopefully a good 26 in incredible really considering how many people have downloaded it it's you know this is the first what's amazing is there is no other there is no other podcast in the UK that have a hunting thread through it because we do talk about hunting quite a lot and there is no one no one else yeah, no one else it. doing that at the moment so if you want to listen to that kind of thing you've got to tune in here Simple yeah. as that. Ba basically, so what else? What else was going oh, right. on buying? Well, no, I, well, I think that's about it. Uh, I'm just gonna let everybody know what's coming up in this second half of this two-part podcast, um, so that you know what Jens is going to be talking about. It's very varied. As I said, you really need to check out the first part because he, he's, we talked about a lot of really interesting things there. But in the second part, which you're tuned into now, um, poaching. The rhino horn trade, uh, non-lead ammunition, rifle and shot. That, that's a really good debate that we have. Um, the eating of game meat, raptor persecution, BBC get a mention. Uh, importantly, firearms licensing and changes in the EU. And uh, very importantly for us, uh, for those of us who live in Scotland, we also talk about um, air rifles and the new legislation that's coming in. We don't go into it in a lot of great detail, but we will be doing a podcast yes, probably will. entirely on that. Or certainly it'll be a, a major focus of it in probably a couple of weeks' time. So uh, keep your ear out for that. With some very, very knowledgeable people. Absolutely. Uh, this podcast is brought to you um, and supported by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy what we have to offer for 2016. Now, just moving on from, from hunting and conservation to poaching, yeah. and uh, I will draw a very thick black line between the two because it's something that gets blurred all of the time in media around yeah. the world, where in the same sentence they say poaching and hunting. Uh, I've said this before on podcasts, and I will just reiterate it once more. Poaching is a legal activity. Hunting is legal and part of a management plan. And the if you're a court po yeah. poaching, you should be prosecuted. Yeah, absolutely. End of story. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because, as we all know, and I know we're, we're going back to Africa again, but this is just in the news this week. We all know that rhino poaching in Africa is a massive, massive problem. But just a couple of days ago, South Africa have opened up the trade of for rhino, rhino horn. Um, I know what my, my take is on that in terms of, I mean, I think it was something that should have been done a while ago, but what's your view on it, Jens? Because there will be people who have different views on the trading of, you know, rhino horn itself. My view is that, um, honestly, I have no idea whether this is going to work or not. I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen, but this is a last resort. I mean, um, if we don't try everything, then for sure the uh, wild rhinos will disappear from uh, from all over the world. Um, so I really cannot see how it can make the situation worse. And I really hope that it will actually work as, as everybody hopes and, and uh, decrease the uh, street price on rhino horn enough 
to make the uh, anti-poaching uh, um, work uh, actually work uh, to to uh, to take away most of the incentive for 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 the poachers to uh, to kill the rhinos. I really really hope so. I'm not, not sure, but I really hope so, and I cannot see. Uh, it making the situation any worse than it is. Just to give people an example of how uh, valuable uh, these rhino horns actually are, um, they sell for around £43,000 per kilo on the Asian black market because that's predominantly where they, they end up. And yeah. if you compare that to gold, gold is roughly about, um, well, I've only got the dollar price here, but about $305 uh, per kg. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, 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 you can see where the value is right there. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and the big, the big problem is of course that it's, it's not that difficult to recruit, recruit poachers willing to, to risk their lives for, 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 for that kind of money. I, I do realize that the poacher in Africa only gets a fraction of, of the street value, but still, we are talking about people who are probably uh, supporting a, a starving family. Um, um, so, so it's 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 a very very tense situation. And my worries are that it it needs to get a lot cheaper to take away the incentive to poach them. But but um, but I really hope I really hope it works. I really do. Um, and I'm sure that it will definitely save the species because if it gets if it gets to be a really really strong business to breed rhinos uh, people will obviously start doing that immediately uh, and we will have lots and lots of rhinos in farms but but, um, but uh, it, it takes a lot of, of price drop to um, to take away the poachers but I mean save, saving the species must be priority one. And then, if we can have uh, wild rhinos in in, uh, in in numbers again in ten years, or twenty years, or thirty years, that's good enough for me. It's certainly better than uh, than extinction or near extinction. Yeah, I just I just want to add a correction. There, Daryl was doing a Julius Malema there, where he was getting the decimal point in the wrong place. But it's it's obviously I, I knew I got him to check it as soon as he said it. It's thirty three thousand pounds a kilo for gold. Um, whereas okay. rhino is forty three thousand. That, that's what you get for uh, reading off the internet and not reading properly. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what you get without actually pressing the button to get into the website. Yeah. Thirty three thousand. I mean, obviously, it's obviously a shed ton of money, but it's the point is that rhino horn is still ten thousand pounds a kilo more. But I yeah. mean, it, it's an interesting question. This, and you know, the same could be said for the ivory trade. I mean, I, it was very clear a couple of years ago that whatever we were doing wasn't working. I don't think we. It's taken them a long time to do something different, because we're you know we're at a critical point now in terms of rhino, and my mind is that why shouldn't we make? I mean, you just touched on it there at the end of what you were saying. Why shouldn't we make it the case that we farm rhino horn? I mean, all the most of the rhino in in southern Africa have their horns cut off anyway because they've been doing yeah. it uh, to prevent poaching. The highest density in the whole of South Africa is on a farm owned by John Hume. Funny enough, just three, four years ago, I was actually filmed an anti-poaching film on there. Um, they, had, they had about a thousand rhino then, but uh, I think he probably has a bit, bit more now. Last year, there were 1,200 rhinos killed in South Africa alone. Yeah. 
for poaching was that, uh, as that as a, no as a result as of poaching there's no hunting for rhinos anymore i mean you can't sustain that number so in my mind if we if it is legal and it is harvestable which it is would yeah. it not be better to have a system where they are farmed and harvested for the horn i mean it still makes absolutely no sense to me why anybody would want the horn i mean we all know no, no. science tells you it's your fingernails it's the same goodness you'd get from chewing your fingernails if you really want to eat the yeah. stuff but the point is there is a demand and i don't think i think trying to change the demand is a futile is a futile effort because I don't think we well, can I, have that yeah. effect of changing the demand. I think the, the te- we need to tackle it in another way. Um, I, I, I do think that the, uh, the, we might be able to change the demand uh, and convince the Asians that this is basically stupid, but it will take maybe 30, 40, 50 years. And if we don't have any rhinos by then, <laughs> then, then, then it, it, nothing really matters. Um, so, so I'm, I completely agree with you. I mean, um, why not? Why not farm them? What what could it hurt? Um, definitely, if if it puts us in a position where we have thousands and thousands of rhinos in farms ready to uh, to repopulate the uh, the um, the habitat when whenever the uh, Asians get a little bit wiser than they are now when that that's a good thing it's certainly better than the alternative but but you also have um, a problem that in Asia their population is growing massively as well I mean yeah. the whole world yeah. population is growing but um, their population is is massive yeah, and so the demand, if you look at it, will only get bigger because the population's getting bigger. Unless, unless the culture, unless changed, the culture which, changes, which is what you were saying, Jens. But yeah, time exactly. is against, time is against us with that. Yeah. So no, I'm 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 completely for this uh, experiment um, because it cannot get worse than it is right now for the rhinos. Um, it's 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 truly a, a, a sad story that that it's it's. In 2015, that it's so difficult to convince um, the population of, of countries like like China and Vietnam and, and uh, Thailand and what have you that this is this is mumbo jumbo, this is uh, superstition, this is ridiculous. But, but um, that's the situation we're in, and it's. Um, I I think we need to try everything we can uh, to. Um, to, to keep the uh, the rhino afloat as a species. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, what is important, and this this ties in perfectly with what we were talking about early uh, earlier about the value of of animals. At the moment, the only thing a rhino does to a farmer that owns it in in South Africa, and a, a huge proportion, I did have the numbers somewhere, but I'll maybe I'll try and put them again yeah. in the description. A huge proportion of the rhinos that are owned across Africa are privately owned. They are of, at the moment. They're of zero value. They can't be hunted yeah. because you can't get a permit to hunt them, and they cost a well. I say zero value. They're of negative value because you have to put a huge amount of time, effort, and investment into keeping them alive because the poaching exactly. the poaching efforts are are just increasing day on day. If yeah. we can make it a situation where the farmers can make money out of their rhinos by trading the horn. There is now a massive incentive. And they want to have rhinos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is the case right now where farmers yeah. are actually, they, they're too much hassle. They don't want rhino anymore because it's so no. much of a problem. And they know it's only a matter of time before they wake up in the morning with a knock on the door from one of the, you know, one of the farm workers and said, 
you know, you need to come with me because one of the rhinos has been poached. It's only a matter of time before that happens. Yeah, and, yeah, you and I experienced that. Oh, of course we did. Yeah, I forgot June, about that. I mean, so, suddenly we we walked up on a on a freshly poached rhino in the hunting area. We 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 were hunting, and it's 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 a daily reality, as you say. It's it's more than a thousand rhinos being poached a year now. Um, and it's it's simply going down the drains. So so uh, definitely we need to uh, to try everything to uh, to stop this. Um, absolutely everything. Yeah. Now, if we move away from Africa and something slightly closer yeah. closer to home, back into Europe, certainly back into the UK, the lead ammunition debate, lead shot and lead uh, rifle ammunition debate is well, it's. Very relevant because it was in the news just this week, but it's been ongoing for a number of years now. And we had a report yeah. out, uh, well, I say we had a report out this week, that's not strictly true, but it was in the, the BBC, uh, it was a BBC news item this week, it was on this morning and it was on their on their website. And it was based on a. I'll just I'll read you the you title. title yes, yeah, so I'll read you the title of the of the article that was all over the BBC. Lead yeah. lead poisons a hundred thousand birds annually. That is the main title for uh, this article, and uh, okay. that was a straight printout from BBC, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. This is it. I'm holding right yeah. in front of me the article. Now the I think you I think you probably saw this, Jens, but I'll just give a, a little bit more information behind the sort of sensationalist title. They're suggesting tens of thousands of wildfowl are dying from lead ingestion every year, but what they don't tell you is that the reporting and investigation for this was done primarily between the 19 uh, between 1960 and 1983 which was before a lot of the lead restrictions that we currently have which are very strict lead um lead restrictions in place before they came into force yeah and more than that they're obviously talking about migratory birds which are migratory and so they're not here yeah. all the time so you can't say that no. anything any investigation that is done on a bird that comes from another country although the investigation may have happened in this country you can't actually say where that has occurred and no. more than that you know there were uh, it wasn't a hundred thousand birds that were sampled and tested it, a lot of this is based on statistical analysis from sampling yeah did you? I think I spoke to you about this before. You saw it come out in our news. You were aware of it, weren't you? Yeah. And you and you know we have we have a long experience with with lead and non lead uh, in uh, Scandinavia because in Denmark um, lead shot has been uh, prohibited for more than two decades, um, and we have a we had a huge debate when when that went into effect. Um, but it did, only for the shot, not for the uh, rifle ammunition. And uh, then a few years ago, uh, Norway went the same way and uh, prohibited banned uh, lead shot. Um, but they turned and they actually allowed it again, which is quite unusual. So, so yes, we had that uh, we had that debate uh, a lot back and forth in Sweden, where I live. Uh, there's no issue with uh, lead shot as long as we do not use it over wetlands. Yeah, same with us. Yeah. yeah um, so, so, so that's the that's the situation. But regarding the uh, lead uh, and steel shot, the shotgun ammunition, I must say that Denmark is uh, a big small game hunting 
country. We have a lot of birds. We have a lot of, a lot of um, um, waterfowling, a lot of uh, duck shooting, pheasant shooting, all kinds of uh, bird hunting. And the uh, the experience there is that by now, most hunters who occasionally travel to, for instance, Sweden or Germany, where they are allowed to use lead shot, actually prefers to shoot steel. Um, because what they find, and I know some, some very experienced bird hunters, is that the steel shot today are as good as the lead shot. That's, that's what they tell me. Um, the situation is a little bit different with the uh, rifle ammunition. Now in Scandinavia, we are allowed all over the place to use lead uh, bullets. Um, but um, as you might, might be aware of, in, in, in Germany, it's a lot back and forth with with uh, lead and, and non-lead uh, yeah, rifle ammunition. They even have different, different so, areas you can use lead. Yeah, they, they have... Germany, Germany is, is, is a lot of states, and they have different rules in different states. In some states, you're not allowed to use lead anymore. In some states, it, it, lead was banned, um, but then uh, due to, to uh, safety precautions, it was allowed again because they, they, um, they feared that the non-leaded alternatives were more prone to ricochets and, and causing dangerous situation on, on German hunts. Um, so, but, but overall, I am pretty sure that um, all of Europe is headed toward a general lead ban. Uh, I have no doubts that, that this is the case, and it's simply a matter of time before uh, we will not, not, as hunters and shooters, be allowed to use lead anymore. Um, for, for, for the shotgun part, um, I don't think it's really a problem, um, because, uh, steel, steel shot, uh, ammunition actually works and it, it even works in, um, in, in old guns as, as well. Um, so in, in, in Denmark where, where there's millions and millions shots fired every year, there is no practical issue regarding uh, steel shot, lead shot. Um, it's a bit worse with the uh, rifle ammunition, uh, in my uh, opinion, because uh, the alternatives we have are not as versatile as uh, as lead ammunition uh, with lead cores. Mm. Um, it's much more specialized. Uh, it works, uh, but it doesn't work for everything as we're used to. And we need to be looking at, at different, different, uh, different calibers, different setups to, to optimize the uh, function of, of non-leaded bullets. And that's, that's a problem. I know that you in Britain use a lot of 243s. Yeah. Um, I think that the lighter calibers in Sweden, we have 6.5 by 55s. Yeah. One of my favorites. Um, yeah, it's a very good caliber, but it's 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 not super duper good with with uh, with copper bullets, um, with non-lead bullets because they tend to be on on the light side and and it's it's a different ball game. It's it's exactly 
more or less the same as as with the shot. If if you move to 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 lighter ammunition, then you then you need to compensate with speed, and um, and that that uh, works entirely different. Um, now you and I were met actually up in in, in Africa testing um, uh, Norma um, ammunition copper bullets, uh, Echo Strike they're called. Yeah, we were, um, yeah, we were talking about using in Namibia. Yeah. yeah. And we were shooting 300s, all of us, I guess, um, 300 wind mags. And, and they were extremely high speed bullets. And, and that made them work from in that caliber from 100 meters to 300 meters, maybe a little longer. But within the first 100 meters, the speed was too high. So high that, that we had a lot of meat damage. Um, uh, so so, and I mean it's 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 not possible with the um, with the lead-free ammunition to to uh, to have that versatility to be able to use it from zero to four hundred meters. Yeah, the spectrum. alternative. The spectrum's reduced. Yeah, yeah. it's narrow. Yeah, and and that's 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 a problem. Um, so so that that being said. Um, obviously, the uh, lead-free ammunition does work, um, and I mean it's 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 not really depends on how you see it. To me, it's a problem to to uh, to 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 damage a lot of meat because that's why I shoot the road deer or the wild boars to to get some meat in my freezer, um, and I don't like throwing away two or three or four or five extra kilos of meat just because it's it's shot to pieces so either in the future if there's a lead ban in place and we do not find better alternatives than we have at the moment then then uh, then i would probably need an extra rifle uh, in, in, in my gun locker um mm. or two to uh, to to meet those um, those special situations um and I think that's that's the main issue. You, you, we will have a lot of rifles becoming more or less obsolete because, quite frankly, a two forty three with copper bullets is not the ideal solution for the Highlands anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to read you another extract from this BBC article, and, and this is... Um, I'll, I'll just read it to you. Uh, it's talking about the yeah. lead shot. It says, Shooting organizations in the UK see the campaign against lead shot as a campaign against hunting. So basically they're saying, you know, they're not actually that caring about that we're using lead. They just want us to stop hunting. That's the gist of what I, I get. Of I this. mean, I, I was going to ask you about yeah. that, uh, Jens. In in Denmark, when, when the hunting ban, sorry, when the lead ban came into place, which, when was that? Daryl, you've actually got some numbers on that. So it, it, it came in 1996. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was the what was the basis of that? Did they actually have a lot of uh, investigative reporting on birds? I mean, what was it because of human consumption? No. Was it environmental? Did they? It do was lots definitely of environmental. They they had some reports of of uh, poisoned uh, waterfowl um, picking up lead shots uh, instead of uh, instead of gravel for for their muscle stomachs. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, but it. They didn't have a lot of reports. The, um, the the basis was, to be frankly, quite thin, but it was enough for 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 the band to get in place. But what's 
was really interesting, um, seen in a rearview mirror anyway, was that a lot of hunters said, okay, this is the end of, of basically hunting in Denmark. Now we cannot kill the birds anymore. And the first steel shot that were available were really, really bad um, because they weren't, in those days, they weren't able to achieve the uh, high velocities they're able to achieve now. So, so in the beginning, it was pretty bad. Um, and, and, and the uh, maximum range of the shotgun was severely reduced. But as the uh, steel shot developed technologically, the, the problem literally disappeared. Um, so, so now we have hunters visiting Sweden where they're perfectly allowed to, to go to the nearest gun shop and buy a lead shot, but they're still bringing the steel shot from Denmark because they're used to the lead. Um, and, and, and the recoil and, and everything, they, they know it and it works as good as the lead shot. Um, uh, but so, of, so the effect... So I was just going to say that, but in this country, certainly steel shot is a lot more expensive than lead. So from, it is from from a hunting point of view, if you you know, uh, if you're going out, shoot, if you're going out shooting, you'll be a lot more conscious about uh, how many rounds you're putting down if uh, you're paying yeah. over double the price for your cartridges. Yeah, but yeah, I think. I, I, I was, but yeah. but saying that, I mean, if if there was a ban, you would you would see the price come down, I imagine, because they would have to produce more. Yeah, I think you know one of the interesting things from what you were saying there was that, well, firstly, that the, the evidence was a little bit on the thin side, and secondly, was that it was uh, based on the fact that um, these birds that were... If it was shooting over over waterways, so they were picking it up into their, their stomachs from, from filter feeding, I assume, is uh, yeah. probably what the, the, the report was saying. Yeah. I mean, in this country, certainly, anyway, you can't shoot over those waterways in any case, and you can't no. do that in certain other countries. So if that ban is in place where we are forced to use steel shot, and rightly so, if the evidence is there, which it clearly is, forced to use steel shot in those um, particular environmental circumstances. Is there a need for a widespread ban? I mean, is no. there any evidence for, um, and I certainly haven't seen any, is there any evidence for lead causing problems on upland areas like grouse moors? I mean, I've never seen any, any evidence to that effect. So as far as no, I can no. see that to attack no. it there can only yeah. be on the basis of one, you know, Death by a thousand paper cuts. One more thing against hunting, if there's no evidence in place. Uh, uh, this this report also it doesn't just go into um, you know the wildlife that's affected. This report goes into um, e eating as well, human consumption. Uh, basically, the report says that people who eat wild game regularly, particularly children, uh, uh, will it will affect their mental development. Um, and also, it goes on to talk about lead poisoning while eating. Now, I don't actually know a single person that has ever um, come out with lead poisoning from eating game meat. In fact, if, no. if anyone has, and they're listening yeah, to this like podcast, to please email us, paceproductionsuk at gmail.com. <laughs> let, let us know if you've been affected by lead shot. Because, I'd love to know. Yeah, as far as I know, there are no recorded cases. And I, uh, myself and my brother, <laughs> my family, and most of the friends that I have... It's probably the way I am, actually. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe that explains <laughs> a lot. But, I mean, we've been eating game since we were kids and and i don't understand it because i you know if if i was i'm not a parent 
But if I was a parent, I probably wouldn't let my toddler eat um, game meat that I think is peppered with shot because, you know, he might or he or she wouldn't might know to not eat it. So but yeah. when you're at a conscious age, you don't eat the lead when when, you know, I don't go mm, tasty no. lead. Mm, I wonder what this is crunching around my mouth. You know, if you've eaten a shot. But also, and, and this is maybe something that it, maybe it's just an ignorance, uh, an ignorance thing from the public who maybe don't eat game is that there isn't actually that much no, shot in not. game. I mean, it's pretty rare that you end up with a, a piece of shot in your mouth if you're eating Very birds. rare. Because when yeah. you prepare it, you quite often either find it underneath the skin or at the back of the, the breast pla- breastplate if you're taking the breast meat off and you ping it off. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I... I can eat plenty of meals with. Uh, I mean, we have we we make a lot of game pies. In fact, me and Byron were eating. Um, we were well, eating we were, just all this week. all this week. And we actually, were, we didn't have a single one. Yeah, we we th- this entire week <laughs> we were we were eating whole partridge week. and pheasant that had been shot with shotguns, and not one of us had a piece of lead. Yeah. And we were eating it every day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 blown completely out out of proportions and and uh, as you say when when there's a lead ban in place over over wetlands then it's really really hard to see what what uh, some some uh, some lead shot in, in in the fields and the forest uh, could damage because who would pick that up i mean we have we have millions of tons on lead of lead lying in the ground surrounding old cables and what have you um not to mention on the roofs of buildings yeah exactly i mean so so it's it 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 does seem it does seem hysterical but you know the uh, european um uh, organization uh, f-a-c-e who is organizing all the uh, national hunting organizations. Yeah, yeah, I follow them. Um, they are working uh, towards a lead ban as well um, because lead is is uh, a material that the EU considers poisonous and wants to outface in every use of it um, as soon as possible. So, so there is, for, for the European countries, there's no way back. The train is going that way, um, and and you and I can easily agree that this is ridiculous. That there is a lot of pseudo uh, science uh, involved uh, in in the argumentation for this, and that the uh, anti-hunters are definitely using this to um, to make life more difficult for hunters. Um, the good news is based on the Danish experience is that they will change nothing for hunters except that the cartridges will become more expensive. More expensive yeah. um, in Denmark at the moment, uh, the, 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 the price of, of, of a good hunting steel shot uh, cartridge is about three times the price of a good lead shot um, uh, cartridge in, in, in Sweden. Uh, but of course, we can all hope that if a ban comes in place, and I, as I said, I really think it does, no matter what we do to uh, to prevent it, um, sometime in the near future, then the prices must come down a little bit, um, because the the price of the um, of the uh, um, uh, clay target ammunition, the um, 
steel shot clay target ammunition is actually getting very low now and it's it's not technologically very different to produce one of those um compared to hunting ammunition so i think it's it's mainly a question of numbers mm. um so but but um no the the argument the whole foundation for all, all this is, is, is ridiculous. Technology failing us again there. Hopefully Jens will be back in a second. Uh, we've got you. Yeah, I think the last word you were saying was that uh, the, the basis for banning it not uh, in places that are not waterways is ridiculous. I think that's what you were saying just as it cut off. Yeah, okay. Right. I didn't I didn't realize I was cut off there. Um, no, the the uh, scientific basis for this uh, when when they're not used on on, on woodlands is is extremely thin. But I am 100% sure that the EU is going in the direction of a lead ban, and we will see that in effect. Uh, that, that's, within. of course, if our our, um, our prime minister doesn't negotiate us out of the EU in the next few years. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good yeah, point yeah, yeah. from a UK perspective. <laughs> Cross your fingers. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, just um, I just want to go back just briefly to rifle ammunition. We've talked a lot about um, yeah. lead shot, but you, you did talk about rifle ammo and yeah my experience of it is that it's definitely not as good as lead i don't think i mean i've tested quite a lot of non-lead alternatives mm. now and i'm yet to find something that i can say well yeah i'd happily use that as opposed to my sort of standard lead bullets that i use because the simple fact is it is not as versatile i mean going no. back to um, what you were you were talking about with the testing that we did over in africa that was that was very true if you were taking close shots there was a huge amount of meat damage, but also that the internal uh, performance, the uh, inside the, the chest cavity, the terminal performance of... Oh, no, my brother's just got distracted because it's snowing outside. He's, he's like a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the actual terminal performance, which is what we are concerned with once it hits an animal, just simply wasn't there because it was shedding a lot of its weight very early on and you weren't getting that nice, big, uh, leading surface area through the vital organs. Whereas if you stepped the distance out a little bit, you ended up with a bullet that performed as it should, because it was within the spectrum that it could perform. And of course, at the slightly longer ranges, the issue with non-lead um, non rifle bullets historically has been that they just simply didn't expand, because there yeah. wasn't enough velocity. And that goes back to what you were saying, is we were using uh, cartridges of fairly high velocity and they were they were pushing those those bullets out which were maybe a bit lighter than you would normally shoot in that particular caliber at a very high velocity and that was to make up for the fact that at longer exactly. ranges you get poor expansion so yeah i think that there is a definitely a debate to be had on the the rifle rifle bullet non-lead issue um i don't see i've yet to see any evidence against it I know that there are certain big organizations that have now are now phasing out lead in, in this country. 
And there certainly seems to be an acceptance that, you know, a lead ban even on rifle ammunition is going to take place. I do take quite considerable exception to that because I only see it being necessary if there's evidence to the, you know, evidence to that fact. And as far as I can see, the only thing that could be brought up for using non-lead ammunition on bigger game, your your deer species using rifle bullets, would be for human consumption. Yeah. And yet there is no evidence to suggest that human consumption of venison with regards to ingestion of lead has ever been a problem. And of course it's not no. going to be because we know, you know, as hunters, we know, and I know you've got a, a technical mind on you as well, that the, the type of bullets that you're using to shoot that kind of game is expanding bullets. There's only a certain percentage that of, of weight that is lost. You normally end yeah. up with a, a weight retention from a, a non-bonded bullet of about 70 to 80%, somewhere around there. So you've got 20% yeah. weight loss. And most of that comes out when you pull the growlic out, the you know the lungs and heart and, and the intestines and everything. When that comes out, the vast majority of that weight loss is coming out. And anything that is left Absolutely. is in the is in the shot tissue. The which, you, which, shot, which you don't eat anyway. Which you don't eat anyway. would be cut out no. by your butcher and would be disposed of. Yeah, but that's that's exactly where we are attacked in Scandinavia, and I know Germany as well, is that the tradition here is to leave the entrails on the ground for, for the raptors and the foxes to clean it up. That's what we do here. Yeah, and that's 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 where, where we're a little bit under attack because when the, the argument from, from the opposing side is that when a sea eagle or or buzzard or whatever eats those entrails, um, those those tiny lead fragments ends up in the uh, bird of prey, and and that is supposed to be a problem. And I'm not saying it's not, definitely not, because I don't have the expertise to to reject that argument. But I am saying that, that it would as very there's two simple simple solutions. One is to start digging holes in the ground and 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 not leaving the entrails on the surface and the other one is is moving towards bonded bullets mm-hmm. because the, the weight retention of bonded bullets is pretty close, close to 100 yeah, yeah, yes and and a, a raptor will never take uh, a mushroom bullet uh, and swallow that uh, it it can only be an issue with tiny tiny fragments in tissue mm-hmm. so so if if there's a case, I think it would be a lot more sensible to uh, to say, okay, um, either you, if 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 you want to use bullets that are on the soft side and and leaves more fragments in in, in the tissue, then either you you bring back the uh, the entrails or you uh, you cover them up. Mm. Um, otherwise, use a bonded bullet. Or lead free if that's your your choice and and everything's fine. Um, then there's no issue whatsoever. But but the uh, the raptors the um, uh, are are really the reason uh, for this whole uh, lead free discussion in Germany Michael. and Scandinavia. Now that's interesting because yeah. I've, I've maybe I've missed it, but I haven't actually seen that brought up in this country. But no doubt, as a result of this podcast, it will be. It will be. Up. Yeah. Um, but what I mean, I don't like you said. I don't have the expertise to say yes or no that that won't affect them. But what I can say is that of all the um, raptors that have been found dead 
as long as I can remember, I have never once read a report that said lead ingestion has caused the death of that bird. I mean, they're very, very quick to say that it's as a result of persecution yeah. and poisoning. I've never yeah. read because it's been of lead ingestion. So I'm sure if there had been, if that had been the case, they would have been very quick to jump on that. Uh, and and let's uh, let's not forget the the amount of uh, bird species we get uh, wiped out by wind turbines in this country as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a whole other debate that never really gets brought up because uh, wind turbines are supposed to be the savior of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A rapture chopper. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm holding. I'm holding in my hand here. This is actually from 2014, and it's uh, a report that basically says that uh, more uh, more birds of prey were killed by wind turbines last year than by persecution. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I mean, that's not. That's not. Was that a BBC as well? Yeah, though? it was BBC as well. But um, I mean, this is this country. I was actually reading earlier on today. America has a massive problem with wind turbines um killing uh their wildlife there. And I read on the report mainly due to very bad placement of the the wind turbines. So they've been put in places with migration routes. Yeah, yeah. Um, massive bird populations yeah. going through um and so on. But you know, we're only getting more wind turbines in this country. We, in fact, we're struggling for space around where we live uh, because there's that many wind turbines. And you can't say that they're all in good places for birds. I refuse to believe it. I mean... <laughs> but no, no. It's, it's an interesting point, actually. I mean, people are, are very quick to point the finger where there is... Well, this kind of goes back to what we were saying at the uh, start of this discussion, where there's, where there's an, an individual An individual involved, person. Especially if it's an individual who's wielding a gun. You know, you must be guilty, but... Yeah. You know that that fact yeah, why, there. Why isn't Scottish power being being uh, uh, yeah, brought I mean, into question? I, I've only seen. I do remember actually when that came out, but I've never seen it come up again. Uh, and what, it's a serious consideration. Well, it, it was mentioned in um, Autumn, oh, Autumn Watch, Watch yeah. uh, our BBC program that is. Um, it's mainly about wildlife um, and mainly about uh, accusing hunters of of killing everything. That's the basis of this program. Well, that that, <laughs> that particular that particular. Well, I, don't, I don't know if that's quite. I don't it's know not, it's quite, not quite, it's not quite true, quite but true. I think it, that's that's maybe Daryl taking sensa sensationalist headlines. There. <laughs> but uh, the the particular um, episode that he's talking about, they did. They were talking about hen harriers and a couple of other raptor species, which I forget which ones they were talking about the, now. They'd mentioned that. That they'd found some dead. They some had been persecuted. Yeah, they blamed it on persecution, but they also did mention that some had died due to wind farms. Uh, yeah. I mean, wind farm things are properly, you know, totally separate debate. But I think it is it was worthy of, of pulling out the fact that you know everything is relevant, and if we're looking at the number of animals that are dying, say for example, say say there is evidence that as a result of eating a gra the the gralich one or two. Uh, raptors are dying every year as a result of that well that's nothing compared yeah. to the the number that were being killed by wind turbines so you know there has to be a balance and there ha you have to make it relevant uh, and, to and there was um, absolutely and, and there was uh, i mean talking about numbers again uh you just have to look at cats uh i mean oh, we heard early on your cat in the background i i actually have a cat as well and mine actually has two bells on it too and and that's because um i know that cats cause damage and the the figures I read that cats in the UK kill 300,000 um, birds a year. I mean, I would say most of them will be garden birds, garden birds um, and so on. But the, I mean, 
I, I cats bring down rabbits. They'll bring down pheasants. They'll bring down grouse. If depending on where they live, um, and if you look at those numbers, you know that's over double the amount that lead's supposedly killing. Um, the 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 whole cat issue. I don't know if you read it, but there was an American scientific report out. I think it's about two years ago that actually revised the. Um, the estimates of how how many animals, domestic cats and feral cats, uh, are killing every year, and 300,000 in the UK. I'm pretty sure you can multiply that by s- close to 50 or 100 times. I mean, that's that's nothing. When I did the calculation for little Denmark, where we have an estimated one million cats, uh, house cats and feral cats combined. One million. Uh, I reached numbers of about fifteen to twenty million birds a wow, year. Wow, that's incredible! And, and tw- uh, twice that, twice that number in small uh, mammals. Phenomenal! Uh, uh, absolutely unbelievable. And in Austra- yeah. uh, Australia recently, they're starting to um, shoot cats um, on the, the outskirts yeah, of yeah, towns yeah. and cities. Be- just recently, because even domestic cats. Yeah. Oh, any any cats because of the damage it's doing to their local um, you know because australia has some of the strictest laws with bringing um animals into the country basically if it's not a native species you can't bring it in i mean it even goes from the the west coast to the east coast of australia you cannot bring stuff that lives on the east coast of australia to the west the, the laws i lived there for a while and and the laws are very strict there but it seems very odd that a domesticated cat that probably was never uh from that part of the world has basically given free free roam across australia and and as a result it's destroying their native wildlife yeah hmm. it's and it's true and it's 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 a problem all over the world because they go feral all over the world as well and and when you think about it um a feral cat uh i mean it needs to eat every day so if you have a million feral cats um even even 20 million birds it's only 20 birds per cat per year it doesn't really sound realistic does it no, i mean really. uh, no People people lose their their sense of reality once we get close to their 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 favorites. Yeah, their when it's not comfortable for people, yeah. Uh, only last week, exactly. Uh, uh, only last week, I was uh, filming with a good friend of mine, and we were sitting on a hilltop on the opposite hi- hill. We saw a feral cat um, uh, pounce on a rabbit and drag it away. I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> not that that's a bad thing. Not that it's a bad ra- thing. Rabbits but, need control, but, but it could have no, been anything. It, yeah. yeah. The point is, yeah, they're, yeah. they're out there. <laughs> And Absolutely. One thing I, I don't, I'm not sure what the situation with wild cats, like proper wild cats, are in Europe. But certainly in Scotland, one of our big issues is that they're not actually 100 percent sure how many pure wild cats yeah, are pure, left, and that ones. is as a result of feral domestic cats. And uh, where where we yeah. live, we actually have one of the largest populations of wild cats in the Angus Glens. Yeah. 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 What's the situation the, in Europe, Jens? There's none. There's none left in Scandinavia, unfortunately. They're all gone. Uh, in uh, some areas of 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 Europe, they still have them, but it's the same situation. They 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 don't do not know for sure how how uh, how pure they are uh, genetically. So so um, and it and it's it's it's. 
I mean that that battle has been has been lost um, because there's millions and millions of feral house cats and they interbreed. So it's it's um, the the uh, European wild cat uh, only has a chance to survive as a purebred species in um, in zoos. In zoos. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. sad. Yeah, that is sad. Yeah. Now, just to move away from move away from animals, which has been the, the focus of our well, the vast majority of our discussion, to the last point of interest for this podcast, and that is the recent uh, push via Europe to ban semi-automatic rifles, and this is obviously off the back of uh, the recent tragedies in Paris. Yeah. Um, now, for, yeah, I know that you've looked into this a lot, so I'm going to let you run with this. But from the the bits and pieces that I've pulled from it. The gist is that they they want to ban semi-automatic rifles that look similar to those used by the military. It seems rather vague, but maybe you can add a bit of flesh to that. Well, actually, the uh, the uh, Swedish uh, National Hunting Organization did a lot of research into those um, into into those suggestions from the EU Commission. And it's very unclear what they actually want. Uh, when they read the text, it could be that they actually want to, to ban every semi-automatic firearm because it's not clearly defined what they're after. Um, they talk a little bit, bit about uh, possible magazine capacity, which means that any, any rifle or shotgun with loose magazines um, – could be banned because obviously it's possible even if you have a, a rifle with three three shot capacity in the magazine it's possible to build a 10 shot magazine for instance mm. um, but that's only part of it because other parts of, of the um, of the legislation they're trying to push through now is uh, mandatory mental exams um, uh, whenever you apply for a, a firearms permit, they, they want you to show up with a piece of paper from your doctor that you're sane and recently examined. Um, they want to um, they want to uh, to limit the, um, the, the 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 time they want they want to uh, the the licenses to be only valid for a maximum of five years. So you have to renew your licenses every five years. They they want to um, to number all firearms in different parts of the firearms, meaning that existing guns could be called in for for new numbers on the action or the barrel or other parts of, of the firearms that doesn't have a number in it now. Um, so there's this and and the worst part, uh, at least in, in Scandinavia, is that they. Um, they more or less want to ban uh, trading firearms between uh, private people. Mm. Uh, basically, they, they, that would mean that you could only get hold of another firearm through a dealer, uh, and whenever you want to sell a firearm, it has to be through a dealer. So, so, um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of, of very, very weird suggestions in play at the moment, and I find it utterly distasteful that they had these suggestions lying around from from the spring but i mean the the the, the smoke hadn't cleared in 
areas uh, before they use that terror situation to uh, to really push it. And they want to get it through the parliament as soon as possible. They're in a big hurry well, to make changes. They'll be, they'll be doing that because emotions will still be you know running exactly. it's in it's in you know it's still in the media and and it's everyone's still thinking about it and you know yeah. with decisions like that they shouldn't really be rushed through on the back of a back of something and the bottom line is that the the, the terrorist attacks that happened as tragic as they were had absolutely nothing to do with the legal ownership of firearms and the, these yeah. these measures that they're wanting to push through are on the basis of what I mean, what massive incident actually, has actually, happened? Actually, uh, one incident happened in Europe with legal firearms, and that was in Norway. Um, but the interesting oh, of course, part, yeah, that, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, that 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 particular insane person actually had a license for the firearms he was using. But what's interesting there is that in the wake of that disaster. The Norwegian parliament actually decided that they weren't going to change a comma in their gun legislation uh, because, as they said, we will not stop insane persons or terrorists or criminals from doing what they do no. by limiting the access to tools that the Norwegian population use in their everyday life. I mean, he used fertilizer to to build a car bomb which yeah, where do you draw the line level the big yeah. part of oslo you cannot you cannot yeah where do you draw the line is is an is an axe or a knife or fertilizer or certain chemicals i mean we we we, we will find it very difficult to live our lives if we have to ban everything that is potentially dangerous in the hands of criminals terrorists and lunatics and, and if they want to and get their hands on something they'll get their hands on it it's, it's that's, that's, that. yeah. that's the other problem because illegal weapons now are illegal they do not become more or less illegal no matter what <laughs> what the uh, eu parliament does they are illegal there is hard punishment if you get caught with an illegal firearm as it is so there's nothing basically they can do to stop illegal firearms from ending up in the hands of terrorists like this. This 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 is this is the problem. And for instance in Sweden we have a lot of semi-automatic rifles for the moose and the wild boar hunts. Yeah, yeah. They estimate it's about 100,000 guns that are due to be confiscated if this suggestion goes through. And um, we didn't have a single incident for the last many, 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 many years of hunting firearms ending up in, in crime. Because when, when we have a burglary uh, in a hunter's house, usually the burglar deliberately avoid stealing firearms because the penalties are too high and they have no value to him because no criminals want a hunting rifle or a shotgun. They want a fully automatic uh, assault rifle to use that, that buzzword or handguns. And hunters doesn't have that kind of stuff. So, so we don't, we, I mean, all the statistics made clearly indicates that legal firearms are not being used by criminals or terrorists. You do have an occasional lunatic, but I mean, lunatics are lunatics. They will use whatever 
to uh, to freak out. So there's nothing you can do to uh, to change the uh, the situation for illegal firearms by coming after legal gun owners. Absolutely nothing. It's, it's we just see the, show. Yeah, we see it repeated the world over. You, you, who, who, yeah. who just mentioned something about the look of the... Uh, that was that was me. That, that was part of the, yeah. the discussion was the look of the... The, was that mentioned? Yeah. Has that been mentioned at all? The look of the firearms of uh, of a more tactical military-looking firearms. I mean, what's your take on on uh, firearms that you, look like military guns? You read my mind, actually, yeah, Dal, no, no, because that's... the one thing which uh, yeah. you might have seen oh. it actually, Yen. So uh, a notable uh, UK writer brought up on a number of occasions in this last, well, uh, maybe not this week because we've been away, but the week, week before, before um, about the increased desire to own rifles that have a more of a sort of a tactical military style look functionally they function just like you know yeah. any hunting rifle they're standard bolt actions or semi-automatic tutus which are are sorry are legal in in the uk but they may look more like a military weapon and he was basically suggesting that you know that shouldn't be allowed what's your take oh, on I, I i i think that's that's complete bullshit to be very frank with you because i see this from a technical point of view what should worry us is what is a firearm able to do i think there's there's very good grounds for not letting civilians own fully automatic rifles yeah for to instance. To totally in agreement um, with that <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think it's reasonable to let people own hand grenades or landmines or or halberds or tanks as well but, but, I mean, it's it's the function of the firearm. A bolt-action rifle is a bolt-action rifle no matter how it looks. The same goes for a semi-automatic. The same goes for all other solutions. And to be honest, the general population do not know the difference. No. Uh, take take a, a, a random person off the street, show him some pictures. He will not know the difference between a dangerous assault rifle and a hunting rifle, no matter how it looks. This is this is only within the hunting community that we don't like to see these military type of, of firearms because, uh, and I, I feel a little bit the same. I, I I do not like I do not like to go hunting with somebody in a ghillie suit and and a sniper rifle because it's far away from my perception of grassroots hunting. hunting yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not what I like to do, but that's my only problem because I obviously know that his bolt action rifle cannot do anything my bolt action rifle. Uh, it, it just can't weighs do. about twice as much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, 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 was, I was I was going to say that. No, this, the, the, and and, and uh, personally, I I enjoy uh, to go long range shooting for 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 targets and stuff like that, and 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 I shoot those those uh, sniper type rifles. And to be honest, if I show them to my neighbor, he won't be able to tell the difference between my hunting rifle and the sniper rifle. And it's not that they look the same, not at all. But to the general population, a rifle is a rifle. And I cannot see how the looks of a gun can change everything, anything because, honestly, uh, I don't think those poor victims in, in Paris cared about how the guns looked. No, I mean, but... No, but I, I was—I was just going to say that I was—I um, was in the military for five years, and 
Uh, I, I personally don't understand the why you'd want to have a firearm that looks like a tactical weapon. But on the other hand, I wouldn't criticize someone for owning it if they like the look of it. They like the look of it, yeah. and like you said, it does Fine. the same. It does exactly the same, same thing. Function. So it's got the same function. Um, yeah. But but I would say with all the military weapons I held. Um, I wouldn't actually want to own any of them. Personally, you know, in no, they're not very I, good hunting. If I could, I mean, like you said, they're heavier. They're heavier. I just, I don't like the look of them in a hunting environment. But I mean, if that's what you no. like, crack on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people yeah, I mean, like wearing I mean, camo. Some people like wearing green stuff. You know, just sort of plain laden type clothes. It's yes. I mean, to, what you were saying about uh, the public not really being able to identify between. You know, one type of firearm and another. There was a. I just actually saw it this week. There was a chap who had a uh, a big jack on the front on oh, the bonnet yeah, of his I Land saw Rover. That, yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he had the police called on him because somebody thought he had a um, a mach- I don't know, a machine gun or a rifle or whatever they called the police with mounted yeah. on the front of his Land Rover. And yeah, I mean that just. I that mean, just shows I, mean I mean, it goes to um, air rifles as well. I mean, uh, if you show your your general member of the public an air rifle alongside um, any other kind of rifle, they the likelihood is they would not be able to distinguish between the two. And don't no. get me wrong, from a distance, most air rifles sometimes you can't actually distinguish them. Um, they they see two rifles, and I mean, I mean, toy shops are selling uh, perfectly uh, good. Repl- plastic replicas, replicas of, yeah. of, of handguns to children um so 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 this whole this, this this whole debate within the hunting community which rifles are, are, are right or wrong to use because of their looks i, I find that completely ridiculous but, because a gun is a gun i i know I, mean, I know in america you were just saying about kids toys uh, replicas and so on in america i know that it's by law, they have to have that orange stub on the end of toy guns because obviously they've got okay. huge incidences of of police shooting um, shooting people with toy guns. <laughs> um, and yeah. uh, you know, so don't snap, the, don't snap the, the orange bit off your gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jens, just yeah. uh, there was one sure. final thing I just wanted to ask you about, just uh, sort of an, an opinion piece from you because we're going to tackle this uh, at a later date in yeah. Scotland. We are going to be introducing licensing for air guns. What do yeah. you th- what do you think of that from your European well, perspective? Well, uh, in Sweden, we always had that. In Sweden, we have very very strict rules about uh, gun licenses in in general. Uh, if an air gun produces more than ten joules at the muscle, which is very very little. Then you have to have a license for it. Um, I think it's it's a little bit of shame because I think air guns are a very good way to to um, to, to to get get new shooters interested yeah. in in the sport in in a not in a non dangerous kind of way. Um, we had we have actually now we have licenses for air guns in Denmark as well, which is quite new. They were completely free before. What what um, what caused the uh, politicians to uh, to um, to get licenses in place was that suddenly we had 50 caliber air guns on the market. Okay, yeah, um, which attracted some attention from uh, from some 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 bad types. Um, but 
I think the reasonable uh, thing to 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 do was to uh, yeah to 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 allow all the uh, regular the normal air guns. I mean, I I cannot see why you're allowed to have a a longbow or an axe or a machete, uh, but not an air gun. I think it doesn't really make sense. Uh, and and it is it is bad for 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 the future of of shooting and hunting if it gets too difficult for for youngsters and 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 non-shooters and hunters to be to, involved yeah to be involved to to touch the subject so to speak I mean, in, in a, it's a lot of fun to own and shoot an air gun it is um, that's how me that's how me and yeah. byron were brought up we that's were, how most people we, i think we, most people who shoot are brought up yeah. we were brought up with air rifles both of us and uh exactly and, and it's great fun i mean i remember yeah. byron you wouldn't see him for days. Literally, and, and, he would come in at night, and, I, and that would be it. To uh, and he would be in the garden just shooting all day. And only, normally tin cans, tin cans, and, <laughs> and he'd only come. Yeah, yeah. He'd only come only, back. Only course. come back for yeah. for more pellets. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, the, one of the things to point out, which probably the public don't realize, is that we actually already have licensing for air rifles in Scotland and the rest of the UK, and that goes to what you were talking about. Over twelve foot pounds, you need to yeah. have it registered as a firearm. So yeah. it can be an air rifle, but on a firearm certificate with all the checks, I and mean, we have some of the strictest gun laws in the world in the UK, yeah. uh, with all the checks that you'd require to own any full ball rifle, you need to go through if you have an air rifle over 12 foot pounds. So we actually already have licensing, but the public don't really appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, we've no. had one or two and instances that I can uh, remember in my lifetime that have caused this to come yeah, into uh, effect. Kids being shot with air rifles, small toddlers, stuff like that. But it goes back to thugs with guns. I mean, uh, yeah. if you're uh, a legal gun owner, a responsible, a responsible gun owner, then you're not going to be shooting people and and with an air no. rifle and, and so on. And the people that are doing it should be prosecuted. But it, yeah. and it goes back to the people that are doing the activity legally are being punished effectively. I mean, I, you know, with every the, time, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, that is true. It, it 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 falls on the people who are doing it legally more often than not, and they end up having more hurdles to jump through. Now, I've thought about this licensing quite a lot and initially it really bothered me and it does bother me if it's going to cause more barrier to entry and i'm yet to see exactly what's going to be required of people who don't otherwise own any other type of firearm or shotgun what they're going to be required to do to own an air rifle but i mean i don't see any major issue in the police having a register of the name of the person who owns an air rifle but what i would take exception to is if they make it very difficult, if they make it very costly, yeah. and they also put a lot of restrictions on like the number of air rifles you could have. That, I don't think, is the way forward. But if they've got a name of someone, they could say, okay, Joe Smith, at whatever the address is, has air rifles. Yeah, Great. there's, you know, no, that, there's that's, no harm in that, that. That's fine. I've got no problem with that. But no, no. if it's done for reasons of hurting hunting and shooting, which... For the most part, I think a lot of legislation that is brought in is to do with. Then I take exception yeah. with it. Yeah, and we had we had another practical problem in Denmark where where this uh, legislation came in force just I think it was two years ago, and that was we have an estimated a few hundred thousand air rifles now that uh, should be registered but are not because I mean we we. They they were free for some 
many years that the people who owns them doesn't necessarily know that they have to uh, to register them. So you you create a lot of criminals in, in in one go. And I mean, if you don't have a history of a lot of crime being committed with these guns, it does seem a bit unnecessary to suddenly have a hundred or two hundred thousand criminals walking around without them even knowing it. Old old grannies um, with an air rifle in their attic. <laughs> yeah, lots of those. Lots and lots of those. So, so it's um, that's that's just another practical problem. Why criminalize a huge part of the population if it isn't really necessary? Um, it, it beats me. No, it's a subject but, we're um, gonna we're definitely gonna return to in a, in a lot of yeah. detail going forward as it comes through into next year. But Jens, thank you so much for the discussion. I, I can't believe that almost two hours has passed. It must be <laughs> it must be something to do with you Danes because uh, David was the same. Exactly, we ended up exactly talking, the same. Talking with him on and on for two hours, but we co- <laughs> we, we we covered a lot of great subjects today, and uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting this out for everybody to listen to. But thank you so much for your time. I know you're you're, you're a very welcome. busy man, but uh, yeah, no, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. As usual, this podcast will be on iTunes, Stitcher, that's for the your the Android people out there, but you also can get it on, on Apple devices as well, and it's becoming more popular. Or oh, Stitcher, Stitcher is, a, is an app. Yeah, Stitcher is an app, and uh, you know, we, we've, we've tried to get it across all the platforms so that... There's ev- no excuse for not there, being there, there is no excuse. You can listen to it on SoundCloud as well. You can download it on two different platforms, Stitcher and iTunes SoundCloud I believe is downloadable on desktop on desktop on desktop but not on your phone so you can stream it on your phone and then there's of course YouTube yeah and uh, like we said at the very start in the coming weeks and months you will actually be able to see something on YouTube other than just a black screen with our logo because we will be going forward recording all of the the studio activity of us drinking cups of tea and interviewing people (laughs) so uh, yeah uh, we'll try and make that a bit more interactive as the months go on. We'll we have will, a think about we it. will. I mean, hopefully, as the weeks go on, months even, not weeks, we will, you know, when we're talking about something, maybe we can put it up on the screen and, and stuff like that. But, you know, these are all improvements that we've been fed back from you, the listeners, that we're going to try and just make it a, a better experience uh, for you. But this podcast will be out every two weeks. So don't miss it. And if you download it on iTunes and Stitcher, which most of you do, I would say that 80% of all our listeners come from iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, You get it a day early. You get it on the Thursday normally. Um, And uh, just a a quick request from us. Uh, Please, if you have a chance, if you've got 30 seconds, go and give it a review because if you give it a review, it it bumps it further up and makes it available to more people or easily available when they're searching. We're we're talking about uh, iTunes reviews. So when you download it, you can give it a star rating. Hopefully you give it five stars. No pressure. No pressure. And give, give it a nice little review. That would be... That would be nice. Yeah, it helps us. Uh, helps us a lot to get it out to people, and it's all about uh, providing information to everybody. That's what it's about. Um, but, but as I was saying before, it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Please follow us on our podcast Into the Wilderness Facebook page, and if you want to get in touch with the show, contact us on there. If not, email paceproductionsuk at gmail.com, and you'll get through to us that way if you want to check out everything that we're doing the best place for that is actually our website yes which is um, paceproductionsuk.com yes it is and finally 
please go and check out our new trailer. It's 40 seconds of your life. It's not very long. That's, um, that's on... You, you can find it anywhere. You can find it on the Pace Brothers Into the Wilderness Facebook page. It's not actually on the podcast page, I don't think. No, it's not on the podcast. Well, I suppose we can stick it on the we, podcast We can page. shove it on there. Um, but if you just want to go straight to it, then just fire it into YouTube, Pace Brothers Into the Wilderness Series 1 trailer. Um, if you want to watch it in super high quality awesomeness, then uh, check out Vimeo. And uh, we'd just like to say that everybody that's uh, been affected by the flooding the last few weeks, we hope they get it sorted out quickly because we have literally been in the middle of it, of all of it. We've been involved in in taking some filming, well, filming some of it, and also it's literally been on my doorstep. Yes, we <laughs> were shifting sandbags yesterday. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for listening. This podcast is supported and brought to you, as always, by the Scottish Association for Country Sports. <laughs>